Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody, this is Nancy McCready. Welcome to Tent Talk. On today's episode, I draw from verses in Zechariah and Isaiah. God says to be silent. He's on the move in his holy house. Something is afoot, and I want you to listen in today. It's a very personal call to you to let him deal with any pride within you that you might know him like never before. Come to him, my friends. He is the entire point, and he is what I promise you. Good to be together today on Tent Talk. Hey, everybody. Great to be together today on Tent Talk. You know, I just want to remind you that Tent Talk is my way of talking about this massive, powerful tent of God's presence. And this is where God and you are together as one that you are understanding that he has always wanted to be one with you, that you would move with him in oneness, meaning that he has chosen you out freely for himself in love, in Christ, before the foundations of the world. That in Christ, that you, as your own separate person from him, would then freely choose to give yourself to him so that the two could become one. I mean, this is the whole reason why you were chosen out in Christ, that you would be just like him so that therefore the two of you could be 100% compatible, able to move together, never moving in a um, separateness. This is why it's such a horror that man chose to separate himself from God in the garden. He had to be given the choice. So Adam and Eve, as they walked with God in the cool of the day, were being prepared to make a great decision. Would they? give themselves freely by eating of the tree of life, would they then have the glory come in them, Christ in them, who is the tree of life? Then he, his nature, his life, everything would come into them in spirit, and then there would be a oneness, an internal oneness together so that they could be a full expression of him, be an extension of his authority. And I hope that you'll notice that the real true pattern was always to be an expression of him, an extension of his authority. This is why I tell people all the time, whether you know it's in uh, discipling them or talking with them or preaching or teaching, whatever it is, all I'm really going to promise you is him. I'm not going to promise that he is going to make your life better, (laughs) that he doesn't exist 
for you. You exist for him. And he wants to move together. You adapting to him. Moving with him. And this is why he's reminded me again of the powerful passage in Zechariah 2. I believe it's the very last verses of of Zechariah 2 in the Message Bible where it says, Quiet, everyone. Shh. Silence before God. Something's afoot in his holy house. He's on the move. I love that passage. (laughs) Especially for those of us who talk a lot that are podcasting, preaching, teaching, all of that, you know, and especially in this time of heightened, uh, you know, crisis, um, everybody is like, there's like a glut, I mean, on the market. I mean, it's like, uh, even if there's not a demand, uh, there's a full supply. <laughs> and it is just rushing uh, forward, uh, from everybody's house, um, with a camera, with a microphone, um, <laughs> with any equipment whatsoever, it is like, poof, there's just like, everybody's talking, everybody's saying something. And I know here I am on tent talk. And, uh, for me, I'm just staying in the cadence that he gave me long before, uh, there was anything else going on. And continuing in being, hopefully, his mouthpiece. And whatever he is saying, that's what I'm saying. And I hope still in the cadence and for his purposes. And so today, as he reminded me, shh, Nancy, (laughs) silence before me. Only speak when I am speaking and only say what I am saying. And so I would have to venture that my message uh, has not changed. I would say the intensity of it. I would say that um, maybe a more keen awareness of what he's been saying all along. I know years ago when I was so filled with selfish ambition in the ministry and I wanted to have that next awesome, you know, word that would just rivet everyone towards me and that my name would be on everyone's lips. You know, did you hear what she said? And, and I know you might be a little embarrassed for me and, and well, you should be, uh, because when we're in pride, my friends, we don't even know how badly we're embarrassing ourselves. We don't realize what a spectacle we're making out of ourselves because we're so impressed with ourselves. And yet we are called to say what our Father says and to do what our Father is doing. So, you know, that's why it's important who you're listening to. And uh, because whoever you're listening to, that's who you'll become a mouthpiece for. And we want to make sure that it's him that we're listening to. It's It's him that we're speaking of and on behalf of. So when he reminded me, you know, I'm on the move, silence, listen to me. He says, because I'm up to something in my house. 
God always begins in his house. You know, God knows a little something about having disorder in your house. God knows a little something about having children who are out of order. God knows what it is to be a good father and to wait and to speak and to act, to bring order to his house, which means to bring us, my friends, to himself. He is ever bringing us back. He is, if you will, the great tuning fork. Okay, He is the standard. And he's ever bringing us back to himself. And so this is, again, what I want to share. I make no apologies for being repetitive. Too often we are running around in our restlessness, seeking that next word, seeking that next thing. My friends, it is him that we seek. You know, there's a place in the scripture where God actually says, you know, because you've never really realized why I set you free. You never really realized how you got yourself in bondage when you walked away from me and decided that you'd rather be God than be sons to me. And in the scripture, it says, you know, I broke your bonds, you know, but then you then busted out of the yoke that I placed you in, which was the yoke of my son, so that you could be sons to me. He said, because you never understood my yoke upon you, you then broke out of that. Isn't that wild? He broke us out of the bonds of our sin so that we could take on, okay, let me, let me back up. He broke us out of our yoke of sin so that we could come into the yoke of his son Um, And because we refused the yoke of the Son, and we just took our freedom and basically wasted it on ourselves, that then we were put back by our own doing into a yoke of slavery. And in the passages there, I believe it's in Jeremiah 2, he says, because you would not take on the yoke of the Son, you became open prey, wandering in the wilderness, And you became open prey to the enemy again. This is wild. You know, as a free people, getting back into a yoke of slavery is pretty wild. It's a pretty wild strategy where the enemy uses our own independence and our own restlessness, our own boredom with God, uh, where we then put ourselves back in a yoke of slavery, which then gives the enemy the ability... (laughs) to keep the only free people on the face of the earth in their own self-imposed bondage. God said then, it's like I became just a mouth to you in the wilderness, just a lot of words, you know. And so we, we run around looking for a new word here and there. And God says, my word was established and it has not changed. We awaken to new aspects of his word We awaken to what he always meant. Has this happened with you as it happens with me? I wake up out of my slumber and I'm like, wow, God, is that what you meant? 
I didn't see it. I didn't understand that every word proceeding from your mouth, your mouth, was to draw me to you. (laughs) So my friends, we are being drawn to him. Not a word, like it's spoken separate from him. It's not a word spoken so that then you could take it and do with it as you will. Every word is to bring us to him because every word proceeds from the word, which is Jesus. And Jesus came not to get you to a place, to heaven. Jesus said, I came to be the way, the truth, the life, to get you back to the Father, to get you to the Father, to Him. That's why I only promise you Him. I said that years ago, months ago, days ago, long before there was the crisis of a virus. And my word is still the same because He hasn't given me anything else. And to venture off to get another word would be because I want to keep your attention towards me and my ministry. But I don't. I want to draw you to him every day, in every moment, in all success, all failure, in good days and bad days, in times of trouble and in times of glory. Because they really all come simultaneously in what I've come to call the duality of days. So we are in days of great trouble and great glory. So in this day where he says, Shh, I'm on the move, there's something afoot in my holy house. I'm telling you, God is about to flip his house. He comes for us. And yes, that should cause you to know and feel his love but it will also cause you to experience his fire. With fire, he comes to his house. He is a jealous father, and he is coming for us. And it is our pride, the core of the old is pride. And it is where we continue to exalt ourselves above him, wondering why God would let this happen to us. Why, why, why is really oftentimes an indictment against God because we can't imagine why he would let anything happen to us. Even in our faithfulness to him as Christians, we are just confounded. We've been faithful. Why would you allow this as though our faithfulness was our own, um, you know, protection against anything ever happening to us? I don't know if you can hear the pride in that. I've been faithful. How could you then not be faithful to me? Wait just a minute. The only faithfulness I have, my friends, is that I share in the faithfulness of my Father. I don't have any faithfulness to God separate from Him. 
So the fact that he has come close to me and called me to himself to share in his actual life is my only hope of faithfulness, humility, love, or anything else. My only hope of having any courage is that he has come near to me. Now I now draw near to him. And it says, then he draws back near to me. But in all things, God is the initiator. And he has been good enough to call us in Christ to be sons to him and in him and for him in this hour. So it is not, God, I have been faithful, keep me from anything. It is God now I stand with you in the midst of all of this and let me be an expression of you. But where pride comes in, in its subtlety, so if you'll remember that it is pride that caused uh, Lucifer to turn into Satan because he wanted to exalt himself above God and boom, he was out because he wanted to be God in the heavens and in everywhere. But when he was booted out and he fell to he- uh, fell from heaven to earth, do not assume that he changed in any way. And when he hit the earth, boom, he looked around. His, his uh, goal had not changed, uh, but his strategy had changed. And he looked around on the earth and said, well, who's the God here uh, who who has authority here? Let me see if I can usurp that authority here. And he looked around, there's Adam and Eve. And he said, okay, they're the ones who have been given authority in the earth, but only as they are under God's authority. So let me see if I can get them to make me their God, but they won't realize it, so that they will literally abdicate and forfeit their authority to me. All right, I just want you to see... And this is who is called Leviathan in the scripture, called the king of the children of pride. He becomes king over the sons of pride. They're called sons of disobedience because you're going to be a son to somebody. You know, the fact that you ever think that you were an orphan, you may have behaved like an orphan in your deception. You didn't know you had a father, but you've always had a father. And according to the scripture in Adam, um, we were of our father, the devil. We were never neutral. And until the moment of the cross breaking in on you, where you were then through the work of the son returned to the father uh, of all, God himself, God almighty, God, the magnificent one, who is good and perfect in all of his ways and has dealt bountifully with all of us, then we were returned to him and became sons to him as we were always meant to be, which is what Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 tells us. But you see, this king of the children of pride, Leviathan, he's still operative when we, though we may be born again, continue to operate in defiled independence from God, our Father. And my friends, God is about to punish Leviathan. It says in Isaiah 27, it says, At that time, God will unsheath his sword, and I would humbly submit to you that is the cross. 
At that time, God will unsheath his sword, his merciless, massive, mighty sword. He'll punish the serpent Leviathan as it flees, the serpent Leviathan thrashing in flight. He, God, will kill that old dragon that lives in the sea. And at that same time, a fine vineyard will appear. There's something to sing about. I, God, tend it. I keep it well watered. I keep careful watch over it so that no one can damage it. I'm not angry. I care. See how it's so funny that there's going to be those that think God is angry when it's really God's love and caring. They just can't seem to to, to conceive of the love that comes to judge Leviathan. The problem is, is when we've got sons in the belly of Leviathan and they need to be extracted from Leviathan. So it gets confusing when you are in the belly of pride, although you are born again. Although you belong to God, you live like you don't. And God comes by his massive, powerful cross of the Son, Jesus, to deliver all sons experientially and functionally out of the belly of pride. Mm, What a glorious day when it is the duality (laughs) of days, meaning that in the same time span, God is about to unsheath his merciless, mighty, massive sword against Leviathan. (laughs) Because God is the Alpha and the Omega. He had the first word on your life. He'll have the last word on your life. But right now your middle is looking really torn up, church. Looking really torn up, people of God, sons of the living God. You may look torn up right now in the middle, (laughs) but oh, your end is glorious only because of his goodness. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. So he's coming for Leviathan. He is about to punish the enemy which is then going to release sons. And when sons get released by the cross that the Father is wielding through the power of Holy Spirit, let me tell you, when you come out on the other side of that deliverance, you will not be confused. You will not be restless. You will not be running around trying to catch a word. You will live upon the mouth of your Father. Jesus said when the enemy came, when Leviathan came in the wilderness and said, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Jesus said, I'm just going to live by every word that comes out of my father's mouth. Jesus never came out of his 100% abiding dependency upon his father. He didn't have to prove he was the son of God. He didn't need to show off. He didn't need to show out. He did nothing but remain in the father. He said, I will not be separate from him. See, where Adam failed, Jesus was successful by abiding. Adam came out separate. 
He took the bait. You see, oftentimes we talk about the temptation in the wilderness as though, oh, it was the time, just quote the word. It was the time, you know, Jesus had to know his identity. Yes, he did. But what was his identity and what was the word? I'll just live off every word that comes out of my father's mouth. You see, until you get the big picture of what the father has always wanted and you get it from getting up in a place up above, high above in him, where you can see from the father's viewpoint that there was something he always wanted before the foundations of the world, before there was sin, before there was a devil, before the fall, before your foolishness, before everything. There was something he always wanted. My friend, sin does not set the agenda for the Father. He's not just here to save you from hell. He is here to return you to himself. Now let's get to him And live in him for his eternal purposes. Get up above the fray in the time of this crisis. Do not stay in hand-to-hand combat down here in the muck and the mire. Get up in the spirit and see with him. Because Leviathan would still want to draw you away if you stay in a very limited view of things. God is going to unsheath his sword and he's going to punish Leviathan. And this is why right before Isaiah 27, 1, at the very end of Isaiah 26, this very powerful um, few sentences says in the Message Bible, Come, my people, go home and shut yourselves in. Go into seclusion for a while until the punishing wrath is past. Because God is sure to come from his place to punish the wrong of the people on earth. Earth itself will point out the bloodstains. It will show where the murdered have been hidden away. Wow. My friends, I'm going to submit to you that... In this time where we are secluded away in him and in time and space right now in the earth, we are somewhat secluded, if you will. We are quarantined up in our houses for a while in seclusion with him. Let him deal with us so that we come back to him, not first family and friends. My friends, the word says, Jesus himself says in the scripture, come unto me. He says, and if you come unto me, take up your cross, follow me, and um, you will (laughs) hate mother, brother, sister, father, and your own life. You see, everything is about to be put into right order. And God isn't just putting us in seclusion, my friends, so that we will love, you know, family and friends and, you know, be together. It is so that we will come unto him, number one. Because he says it's going to appear when you love me first. It's going to appear as though you almost don't love others and others will be confused about that. 
it's going to appear as though you are almost indifferent to them when you finally come aflame to me. When God deals with pride, he deals with every wrong uh, view of man. Because when we make ourselves the center, everything is off. And God himself almost appears to be harsh towards us, but he is not. Because once we return to him and our pride is being dealt with, then we begin to realize it's always been about the Father. It will always be about the Father. And once he is able to return us by the power of the cross to the right center, which is him, because this holy move that he's on in his house is where he is about to become center stage in his house, meaning in his people, because we are his house. We are his holy building. We are the church. We are the temple of God. All these names that are given in the scripture. And so remember that in that duality of days, yes, his powerful cross is about to deal with Leviathan, this one that has uh, remained uh, hidden and, and able to function and operate in so many ways of pride It says, though, that when God punishes him at that same time, a fine vineyard will appear. The house of God is about to appear. And she's going to come forth in flaming devotion to God. Why? Because she's seen him. She's heard him. And now she's chosen him. And God says, I will tend to her. And let that vine cling to me for safety. Let it find a good and whole life with me, abiding with me. Let it hold on for a good and whole life. You see, life as God meant for it to be, not God as he serves your view of your life. And if he doesn't give you the life that you've always wanted, then you're just not sure about him. Oh, he's about to reveal himself to his house in ways and she is going to see him in all of his splendor and all of his glory and magnificence and she is going to be put then into right order herself. So right now, my friends, we are to be in seclusion with him. We are one with him. We are hidden with him. We are hidden in Christ We are in the cleft of the rock. We are one with him as his punishing wrath is executed against the enemy and all of his stuff. And so, my friends, don't be confused. Let him seclude you away in him during this time so that you don't get confused to think that he's trying to come and destroy you. He already destroyed the old you in Christ on the cross and put it to death, the old man. And the new man has come up in 100% uh, oneness with him. And now you are secluded in him, but you're about to watch his wrath be passed upon Leviathan. Leviathan is about to be punished. Leviathan is about to be exposed, this king of the children of pride. So he has to deal with all pride, but don't be confused. He has come to deliver you from yourself 
and unto him experientially and functionally. And where there are thick, thick, thick scales of pride upon us, he's about to deal with it. And you, my friends, are safe in Christ. But anything that's operative in you of pride, anything that's operative in his houses of worship, he's about to flip his house. And he is going to do it with the most magnificent vengeance upon the enemy, with all mercy unto his people, so that his people then can get in right order so that now they can functionally and experientially and truly move with him privately and publicly. God, my friends, is coming for his house. Get quiet before him. Stay with him. Abide in him. He is our shelter, our rock, our refuge. And now as he begins to move in his holy house, my friends, We are going to become that vineyard, that which has always been in his heart to have. We will be to him what we were always meant to be. Before sin, before hell, before there was a devil, before there was a Leviathan, before anything. So Leviathan doesn't have the last word, my friends. Hell thinks it's got you, but your father is coming for you. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, my friends, give it up and give it up so that you can go with him. He is the focus. He is the target. He is the bullseye. He is the goal. And he is returning us to himself for his eternal purposes and for his eternal glory. Rise up, sons of glory, in him and let him deliver you his way. And then there will be glory breaking forth from his house. Fire, fire, my friends, that's getting ready to spread like wildfire. (laughs) Not reckless fire, but it's going to spread like wildfire. From houses of worship are going to come the flames of his fire. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so well, so perfectly. We want to drink of your cup. We want to live like you. We want to think like you and move with you. Bring us into deep agreement with yourself now. So, my friends, thank you for being with me today on Tent Talk. I pray, Father, now for everyone that is listening that they can hear your voice under your tent in the tent that Isaiah 4 says is a place of divine love and protection. And we're going to need it. (laughs) We're going to need it in these days, Father, for your perfect dealings with us. You have dealt bountifully with us, Father. And I thank you for your mighty goodness. And your goodness is about to increase our greatness, our sound, our influence, our magnitude. So that wherever the suns go, Father, you will be heard and seen and known. And people will be drawn to you 
through Jesus the Son. Let the power of your cross work towards everything that is old to hold it in its place of death and the way of your cross, which is the way of your life, now be released, Father, like never before. I thank you, Father, for your presence within us. Pitch the tent of your presence, Father, wherever you are, welcomed and allowed as we bow in humility, Father. Let it be for you and your purposes. Let there be a company of jealous sons that begins to emerge out of your holy house now. We love you, Father. Thank you so much, Father. Amen. Amen. Until next time, my friends, I'm praying with you and praying for you. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.